I think this chair needs to be higher. What do you think? I feel like if I fall out of that, I could hurt myself, though. That's pretty high. How's everybody doing? That good, huh? Need to get saved or something, man. That's cool. That's good. I'm going to sit, mostly because I'm tired. Why are you sitting? What's your excuse? Let's do this different, okay? You're going to stand the whole time, and I'm going to sit. Let's try it out. little interactive church. Make sure my shirt doesn't open up. I don't want you seeing my belly button or anything, okay? You love me enough to tell me if my belly pops out? Okay. Somebody better tell me. In love. Tell me in love, though. Hold on just a second. I'm trying to find my notes. Where'd they go? Okay, here we go. And then this one. And then this one. Awesome. So we're going to continue on with, uh, with prayer. Uh, just show of hands how many people were here last week. Good. Raise your hand if you were not here last week. All right. You'll be getting a call from me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you should be able to, to jump right in. Um, you know, we've had a, a three-part series on prayer. This is the third Wednesday. And uh, this is just to connect to what we've been talking about with uh, 21 Days of Prayer and uh, the season of prayer. I've so enjoyed uh, the morning prayer times with you guys that have been able to come. I know we've had a really great response online with Facebook and people joining. On average, we've been, we've been able to, to join together for prayer between 350 and 400 people every morning. Uh, from here and then through the fa- through Facebook, I about said the Facebook. <laughs> That's not good. They're in the Facebook, but anyway, um, uh, it's been really it's been really powerful to see. I've been hearing some awesome reports. I, I, I talked to a lady the other day, and she said, you know, just coming uh, and being a part of that prayer time is changing the way that I pray. Uh, she says deepening my prayer life and. I was talking to somebody else today, and they told me that, uh, th- that the Lord has just drawn things out of their heart during the prayer times that they didn't even know were on the inside of them. Uh, passions, I believe, dreams, all those things. And uh, continuing on with prayer tonight, I want to say something that I said at the uh, last service. Serena, is this like chair too low? Do I need to raise it? Does it look okay? Yeah. Okay, I'm just checking. I didn't know if the table was like, okay. Um, thank you. That's what I'm looking for. So. Uh, the joke is, you guys know Pastor Austin. My joke with me and Pastor Austin is, is that uh, uh, we're the same height whenever, uh, whenever he sits down. So that's the joke <laughs> I always have with Austin. Uh, but uh, talking about prayer, I want to reference something that I said last week and do just a really quick uh, follow-up so that you can be tracking with some of the things I'm going to share tonight. But uh, we talked last week specifically about how prayer changes you. And uh, I, I referenced a quote by uh, C.S. Lewis that says that, you know, prayer never changes God, but it always changes us. And I do believe that prayer changes things, but the first thing that it needs to change is you. That's where the change originates, is always in our hearts and lives. And I also said that prayer really is the way that we're able to stay grounded to who God is and stay grounded to who we are in Him. Prayer is this way that I'm able to become aware. Prayer is about awareness. It's about me coming into a place of being aware of the things that are in God's heart, the things that are in my heart, and allowing now room for the Holy Spirit to make my heart more like His. 
if I were to kind of give you a, a one breath uh, just explanation of what prayer is for me and, and, what it, and what it does in my life, that's what I would tell you. It brings me into a place of being aware of what's in God's heart, aware of what's in my heart, and it creates room now for the Holy Spirit to make my heart look more like His. That's what we do whenever we, we pray. So this week I want to continue on with this vein of prayer changing things. But if last week we saw that prayer changes you... I believe this week it's only appropriate that we talk about changing you now sets you up to have potential to affect and enact change in the world. I believe that God does a change in our hearts, not so just that we can live better, but that now we can be brought into a place to lead others in how to live this God-filled kind of life. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. You're the Wednesday night crowd, so you put up with me, which is great, and I appreciate that. But if you made a decision to follow Jesus, and you've given your life to Him, and you've received the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, then you are a minister. You are a minister. Paul tells us that you're a minister of reconciliation. Now, I qualify it this way. Not everybody's going to be called to vocational ministry. Not everybody's going to move into a place of holding an office inside of the church. But all of us are called to be the church and to minister everywhere that we go. And what we want to have as ministers is we want to have ministry that actually makes an impact and leaves a mark on the world around us. I can tell you that Christianity, guys, is not about living behind this, in world, this inner world of perfect ideals and belief systems. Christianity is not about living in a bubble, contrary to popular belief. Christianity is about living from heaven toward earth with real impact and real influence. And I believe that if you'll start growing in the way that you pray, and I believe that if you'll allow prayer to create room for the Holy Spirit to make your heart more like His heart, that as you grow in God's heart, there's no way you're not going to want to reach out to a world in need. There's no way that you're not going to be moved by the Holy Spirit. You can't pray and mean it. You need to qualify it with that. There's a lot of times there's things we pray that's lip service that we don't really mean. Just a lot of times there's things that we sing and we raise our hands that we don't really mean either. But there's a power whenever we move into a place of meaning it. You can't pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and mean it. And not allow yourself now to be moved and called to action to help manifest heaven on earth. There's no way to do that. There's no way to do that. The way that you pray becomes the way that you perceive the world around you. Always. Prayer is always going to have an effect on your perceptions. And I believe that before Jesus can deal with our realities... And before Jesus can deal with the realities in other people's lives and the reality of our world, he has to influence our perceptions. All the hours of counseling that I've done with people, and I talk and I meet with them, the primary thing that we're creating space for the Holy Spirit to do is to change the way that they think. People try to change behaviors before they change their mindsets, and they're never successful. Thought precedes action. 
Prayer is the way that we allow ourselves to engage in the work of the Holy Spirit, which is the renewing of your mind. See, there's an agent of change. There's an agent of transformation at work in the world today. Because there's only one spirit that's the spirit of the creator. You understand that the devil does not have the ability to create anything. The devil takes the good things that God creates and he confuses people concerning their use and their design. He distorts people's perceptions and he perverts the good things that God creates. He doesn't create anything in and of himself. There's only one agent at work in the world today that has a transformative power. And that agent is not an it or force. It's a person, the third member of the Godhead, who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent of transformation in the world today. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of the creator. And what I'm really wanting to get at in this session with you today is to help you understand that prayer is the pathway by which we build relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that has now the ability to influence my thought life as I submit to his leading in prayer. It's the Holy Spirit at work on the inside of me, growing me in my ability to display Christ's likeness. I love the passage that comes to us out of Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. One translation reads this way, that it's God at work in you, giving you the power and give sorry giving you the desire and the power to do that which pleases him i talk to people so often they say well you know pastor i'd love to grow in my prayer life and i'd love to be able to set time aside to pray but i lack the desire it's not something that i want to do or i lack the willpower to be able to do it a beautiful thing happens whenever i'll allow myself to pray with the correct belief system that God's already at work within me, driving me to prayer, if I'll submit to it. It's not a feeling that I have to muster up on my own. It's not this, this hype that I have to look at myself in the mirror and hype myself up to get into a place of prayer. It's now allowing the primary thing that needs to influence our thought life, which is the Word of God. Can I get an amen? amen. And whenever the Word of God is enforced... huh? See my belly button? Thank you. When the word of God is enforced by prayer and us praying correctly, amen. When the word of God, geez, we have someone disorderly on the front row, and no, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, I did tell you to tell me, so my wife loves me enough to tell me. When we, have, when we have the word of God and we begin to allow our minds to be renewed to what the word says, and we adopt prayer as an essential habit in our life, How many of you know that prayer now acts as a catalyst to what the Word is doing in my life? It's why it's important for me to understand how to pray the Word of God. Prayer is the primary way that we mix faith with the Word of God. I'm going to tell you that again. Prayer is the primary way that we mix faith with the Word of God. That's why prayer is always supposed to be our first response, not our last resort. There's a lot of times that people take action in their will... Or out of some desire and fail to pray and they don't see results in their life. The, the first thing, the chief thing that I do in acting on the word of God, putting the word of God into application in my life, is I adopt what it says into my prayer life. Prayer is the primary way I mix faith with God's word. When I pray a thing, I'm engaging now in, the, in, in making room for the Holy Spirit to start a transformative work in my heart. 
I'm connecting myself to what's in God's heart. In prayer, it's this beautiful conversational exchange that we call communing with God. Through prayer, I become aware of my union with Christ. I don't pray to come into union with Christ. I pray to come into my awareness of my union with Christ. I don't pray to get my healing. I come into prayer to become aware of the God who wills to heal me. And his will being healing in my life. I don't pray to get provision. I pray to declare that the provision of the Lord is mine. Because he's already declared his name over me. Which one of his names is Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. Prayer is about me stepping into a place of awareness concerning the promises of God. There's a really controversial thing that I'm going to tell you. Can you believe that I would do such a thing? Anybody know who Smith Wigglesworth is? Okay, a few of you. Uh, Old-time healing evangelist, mighty man of God, saw crazy. You got me so paranoid about my belly button, I keep doing this. I need like a, you got like a, like a pin or something I can put there? Sometime. All right, anyways... But uh, what, what I want to tell you about is Wigglesworth. I read this, this uh, I got this book that's a bunch of collections of sermons from Wigglesworth. And I mean, Wigglesworth saw phenomenal uh, signs and wonders, healings, uh, every, everywhere that he went. And uh, one of the phrases from one of his sermons, and I know this is going to hit you. And just know that with me, uh, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't necessarily say that everything I'm preaching to you right now I totally, 100% believe. It's just what I believe right now. Does that make sense to you? Do you understand that we're constantly growing and evolving in our understanding of the Word? You need to be careful of people that preach certainty. Because faith and certainty are not the same thing. Faith requires trust. And faith requires humility. Have you ever believed a certain way, even in your relationship with God, and then over the expansive time the Holy Spirit revealed to you that about 50% of what you thought about that thing wasn't really the way that it happened? That's called being teachable. That's called being humble. If you keep that up, you'll actually learn to be right a lot more than you're wrong. All right. That didn't land. I'm afraid of saying the controversial thing now. Did it make you nervous that I said I just believe what I believe right now? Don't be nervous about that. If I'm wrong, I'll come back and tell you. I haven't been wrong yet. I haven't told you. But if I'm wrong, I'll come back and I'll tell you about it. All right, good. Some humor. You're laughing now. Don't read too much into it. So here's the thing that I want to tell you. I'm not saying that I've totally had this figured out, but it was a statement that when he said it, or when I read it, it kind of hit me. Because I said, man, that's, that's an interesting way to look at that. And he said this. He said, it's, uh, let me get this to the best that I can remember it. He said that it is, uh, it's unbelief to pray about anything that's already in God's Word. Isn't that kind of heavy? I'm like, man, what does that mean? What I think the heart of that is, and what I'm really wanting to pull from that to convey to you, is this, is that when my prayer becomes me trying to get God to move on something that He already says He wills to do, When my prayer becomes me trying to hype myself up, doing something in my willpower, my performance, I believe the most beautiful types of prayers that we can pray go something like this. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. I, I love that whenever uh, the angel came to Mary and told her what was going to take place, she had a question. And I believe that there's a difference between asking God a question and questioning Him. Uh, you don't get very good answers when you question Him. You'll get good answers when you ask a question. But I love that after she got her question answered, which was out of a humble heart, a good heart, when the angel said the answer to the question, she said this, let it be done, to, let it be done with me according to your word. And I think that for us to move into this place of understanding that a lot of the things that we pray about are things that have already been decided. They're things that God's already come into a place of agreement and unity with us on. I think that one of the biggest things that we have to learn about in prayer, it's about not necessarily getting what we want, but coming into a place of lining up with what God wills. Because what God wills is way better than what you want anyway. Always. I need to pray God's will, which is why I always come back to declaring. And I believe there's a place in prayer to where my prayers switch from petitions, intercessions to prophetic declarations. And I believe that if we can see a deepening in our prayer life, that we just don't pray about things. But we allow our unity with Christ, we allow the infilling of the Holy Spirit to actually move us into a place of enacting change in the world because of our prayers. When we really understand God's will for us and we're now able to be vessels of releasing that will, his spoken word into the earth. I think you're talking about a whole other level of prayer. And I think you're talking about the type of prayer that's able to shift the course of nations. I think it's this place of being so confident in God's will that it's not a topic of conversation in my prayer. What becomes my prayer is actually a place of being a conduit of what's going on in heaven and letting it manifest on the earth. What happens in my intercessions now is not begging God to do something. It's declaring over that person I'm interceding what God's already done for them. Okay? Let me tell you bad things to pray. Holy Spirit, come. You could pray that if you didn't know the Bible. But I told you that we've got to have Scripture and prayer working in tandem with each other. Why don't I pray, Holy Spirit, come? Because he hasn't left, church. He got poured out on the day of Pentecost, and God didn't suck him back up and said, when you are good little troopers, I'll send them back out to you. He said, no, in the last days, I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Right? I believe the Holy Spirit has been taken away, so I don't pray, God, send the Holy Spirit. God, come into this situation. I know that the Holy Spirit's the great teacher. I'm not going to pray and ask God to do something like it's not His will. I'm going to pray His will, which is this. God, I believe that you've sent the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the Holy Spirit's the great teacher. So, Lord, I'm asking for guidance from the Holy Spirit to become more aware of your already present presence in my life. I don't pray God speak. God's been talking from the beginning, church. He's a speaking God. He hasn't stopped. My prayer isn't God speak to me, all right? That's like you praying right now, Zach, preach to me. You need to be quiet and just listen to what I'm telling you. I'm preaching. Whether you like it or not, I'm preaching. And whether you like it or not, God's speaking. So my prayer isn't God speak. My prayer is, Lord, help me become aware of your already speaking voice. I believe that I'm your child and that I can hear from you. I believe that I can discern the whispers of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm listening. Are you following me? 
that's a huge shift in the way that we approach prayer. And I believe that when we can allow ourselves to shift into that, what happens is, is that we open up this place in God, this deep place in intimacy in the Lord, that to be honest with you, is really about abiding and trusting, not striving and earning. There's so many people I talk to, even people that have walked with the Lord for years, that are still deceived with the roots of religion that stem back from the way they were raised, that stem back from the things that were taught that were wrong. I, I believe that the way that we're fruitful in our life is by abiding because the Bible says that. Abiding's not striving. Abiding's just allowing myself to be in the will of God and believe that I'm one with Him. I told you that prayer is part in part me coming into my awareness in regards to my union with Christ. All right, And I know this might seem like I'm just being really picky on prayer, but I, my desire is to really help you deepen the way that you pray and to see results in your prayer. That's my desire in telling you this. All right, I can tell you this, that I believe that whenever I come into a place of prayer, I need to become aware of my union with Christ. I don't need to see in my mind me talking to somebody that's very far off. The scripture says that he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Church, you can't get any closer than Christ being united to your spirit. Listen to me. God's not out here. He's in here. All right? And I'm not saying that God isn't omnipresent. If you really want to be theological, he's both places. He's out here around me and in me. But the same God that's around me is within me. And prayer is about me tapping into a close voice. Not a distant voice. Prayer is about me tapping into a God that delights in speaking to me. Delights in answering me. Delights in moving on my behalf. I believe that prayer should be the primary way that we come into a place of rest. I know people get so worked up in their prayer time. And there's some intense prayer. I've broke a sweat praying before. And God's moved in my heart. But I believe that prayer is about us coming into a place of rest with the Lord. Allowing the worries and cares and distractions of the world to fade. And me to be able to become aware of the already present presence of Jesus. Become aware that all of his promises concerning me are good. And now I begin to allow that change to affect me in a way that by prayer I release that out onto the world. And out into the lives of other people. Listen, you can only give what you have. Alright? If you don't have an understanding that you're not one with Christ, you're going to have a hard time praying that realization into somebody else's life. If you're burdened and weighed down by all these anxieties and cares and worries and still confused about the will of God, good luck praying God's will over anybody else. Prayer has to change you first. And in that place of changing now, we become conduits to release heaven onto the earth. And I think that's a beautiful thing, don't you? All right. Any of this make sense to you? All right, good. Five of you. Praise God. This is good. Um, I, I think that a lot of times, as charismatic people, we can become very obsessive about the power of God. I'm just going to tell you that. Now, I'm one, I'm one of us. Is everybody okay? I know I, was, I went through confirmation classes in the Methodist church, but I'm a card-carrying charismatic. All right? Everybody okay? I'm, a, I'm whatever you want me to be. I've been free will Baptist. I've, I've, you know, I've done midnight mass with the Catholics. 
you know, I've uh, been in the, you know, you just, I can be whatever you want me to be. So if you need me to be a confirmed Methodist, I can show you my card. I have, I have a confirmed Methodist card. I can tell you all about church calendar and the seasons and the colors and doxology. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I can do that for you if, if that'll help you pay attention, whatever you want to do. I can speak in tongues if that'll help you pay attention. Whatever you want to do, I can, I can do, and I'll interpret it for you. How about that? All right, so whatever you want me to do, just, just pay attention to this for a second. And then I talked so much, I forgot what my point was. So let me get back to this. Oh, so a lot of times we can become obsessive about the, the power. I don't really want to be teachy. I just want to be conversational tonight. Is that okay? You're like, well, how do I take notes? You're probably not going to be able to tonight. Just listen to me. We're just having a conversation. I told you I only believe 50% of what I'm telling you anyway, so it don't matter. All right, so here's the thing that I want to be able to, to take. Listen, you need to let, I, what I'm doing when I say things like that is I'm breaking the religious spirit. That's what I'm breaking. In Jesus' name, well, you're up there just spouting your opinions and you don't know for sure if what you really believe. I'm trying to make you laugh so that your marriage will be better, Heart Rod. You haven't laughed in 25 years. Let me make you laugh so you can have some joy and you can quit being a stick in the mud and act, act like you got saved and you got the Holy Ghost because nobody else can tell. All right? So it's time to change. It's time to laugh. So here's the thing. I am fully convinced that God will use me in spite of me. How about you? I believe that the most important thing that's happening right now is the revelation the Holy Spirit's giving you in between the words that I say. It's not even the things that I say that are the most important. If you came here for me, by now, you should be disappointed. If you came here for Jesus, you'll never be disappointed. Because he'll reach you where you're at. He'll speak loving things to you. He'll just encourage you. Jesus is the prize. He's the portion, always. It's always about Jesus. All right, so, like I said, I only believe 50% of what I'm telling you. And because of that... I'm going to tell you uh, about this thing that a lot of times as charismatic people, we can get really obsessive about the power of God. And uh, we can tend to gravitate in, even in the scriptures toward the times when God showed up in big ways. You know, Jesus' ministry. You know, charismatic people like the gospel of Mark. It's the action gospel. It's the one that records like the most healings and all the stuff you know, that Jesus did and the healing and the raising people from the dead and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's peppered throughout the gospel, but Mark really has it, has it condensed there. All right? Here's the thing that I want to encourage you is that as charismatic people, we can't focus so much on the power that Jesus moved in, but then forget the practices that he engaged in because those two things go together. Right? I know people that want to move in the power of Jesus... They just don't want to engage in prayer like Jesus did. It hurts, I know. All of us, it just hurts us sometimes. Does this mean that I'm like earning the power of God? No, no, no. You've got the power of God regardless. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you pray like Jesus did and then God sees it fit to give you power. No, the truth is you've already got the power. Prayer is the pathway to teach you how to use it and release it. It's not that God's withholding it from you. You already got it. You just don't know what to do with it. Prayer is where I get the heart of God and I allow the heart of God to line up with my heart. My heart becomes more like His. And what I do is now by prayer, I've moved into a place to become more aware of how God operates. And then I follow suit. Prayer, in essence, is about coming into awareness of who Jesus is and what He's doing in your life and what He wills to do through your life into the world. That's what prayer is about. You know, uh, I heard a minister say this concerning the scriptures, and I think it applies to prayer as well. It's a beautiful thing. But, you know, there's a lot of times that people will read the Bible, and they'll get a working knowledge of the Bible. How many of you know there's nothing wrong with having a working knowledge of the Bible? 
nothing wrong with it, but atheists can have working knowledge of the Bible too. They can tell you chapter and verse. They can tell you stories. They can memorize this. I don't know if you know this or not, but the devil has a pretty good working knowledge of the Bible. No scripture better than most Christians. Sad thing, but true thing. So here's the thing about it. I believe that there's tears in regards to our understanding of scripture. How many of you believe that in God there's always more? How many of you believe that the scripture says we go from one degree of glory to the next? Line upon line, precept upon precept. How many of you know this thing in our walk with God is a journey, not just a destination? There's a journey, there's a pathway, there's a process. Every promise of God comes with a process. There's process connected to everything. And one of the things about the scripture is that we all start out with a working knowledge of the Bible. We read it for just a letter on the page. And we come into a place of understanding that, hey, look, I can memorize some stories. I can tell you about Daniel in the lion's den. You know, I can tell you some of the minor prophets, the major prophets, all those different kinds of things. That's a good working knowledge of the Bible. But there's another thing that happens whenever I begin to read the Bible with the Spirit of God. Do you know it's possible to read the Scripture without the activity of the Spirit? Welcome to dead churches. Welcome to religion. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. I love what Jesus told the Pharisees. You search the Scriptures because you think it's in them that you have eternal life. But they are them which testify of me. Listen, I believe that the Bible does one thing inerrantly, infallibly, and consistently, and that points us to Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the Scriptures, all right? So the second tier of understanding the Scriptures is when we begin to see God's promises and covenants for a people called Israel. That's a beautiful thing. When you start to see God's commitment and you see his character to a group of people that treated him so badly, that let him down time and time again. How many of you got, have gotten encouraged with your relationship with God after reading some of Israel's story? I have. And you begun to see the nature of God from the scripture. You've seen his character and his attributes. But the third level, if you will, of understanding the scriptures that will forever change your life is whenever you go from Genesis to Revelation and you see that it's all pointing to him. That it all points to Jesus. When you see that the breakdown of the tabernacle is Jesus. When you see that the story of Joseph is Jesus. When you see that everything is culminating, that all of creation is crying out, that all these things happen in many times and any places, and the whole point of the book is made to put you in touch with the author, that's whenever the word starts to change your life. The same thing's true with prayer. You can have a working knowledge of prayer, you can memorize the Lord's Prayer. And have no idea what it really means. You can move into a place of prayer now with, in operation with the Holy Spirit in your life that you start to be able to sense things from the Lord. You start to hear His voice. You start to feel more secure in His promises. You start to interact with Him. But whenever prayer starts to usher you to the throne of grace on which Jesus is sitting and you begin to be face to face with Him, man, that's when prayer will change your life. Are you following me? Yes. You should be encouraged that there's more for you. Let me tell you something. Our God is not small that we serve, church. I don't care what you've seen him do. He can do more. I don't care what you've experienced of his goodness. He's gooder. I don't care the way that he's spoken to you. He can speak to you more clearly. I don't care if you've seen, if you've had an open vision every single day of your life of the heavenlies, there's more. In him, there's always 
more. And I believe that if we will allow ourselves to just believe that, that we can enter into even some renewed excitement in our, in our prayer life. I believe we can enter into some renewed excitement in our time in the Word of God to believe that God wills. If I'll partner with the Holy Spirit, who is the agent of change in your life, Holy Spirit's so, so important, church. We've got to learn. I grew up in churches that the only time we heard, heard about the Holy Spirit was in the doxology. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's the only time we talked about them. That's the only reason I knew there was a Holy Ghost is when we sang that little song. I know there even was one. I heard a pastor one time say that in the church world at large, the Holy, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is the forgotten member of the Trinity. Man, I got to tell you, I'm so grateful for a house. I'm so grateful for a church that we call Victory Life that we don't forget about the Holy Spirit. That we've got people that encourage us to build relationship with the Holy Spirit. Think about this. Jesus wouldn't even let the disciples go start their ministry until they received the Holy Spirit. You, you understand that salvation and receiving and the baptism of the Holy Spirit are two different things. I don't have time. That actually was part of what I was going to talk about tonight was to show you that. And I don't even have time to do it, so you're just going to have to take my word on it. And that's in the 50% that I believe, by the way. It's not in the 50% I don't believe. It's a separate thing. And I believe that it's such a big deal to God. It's such a big deal to God that actually the Holy Spirit has the capacity to deepen your prayer life by giving you the ability to pray in tongues. I believe that God wills to do such a deep thing in your prayer life that, yeah, you can memorize the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, you can see the model set for us in the Scriptures. But I believe that if you're here tonight, and if that's where you're at, that there's more. God delights in being able to give you empowerment from the Spirit, that you'll actually be able to, from your Spirit, speak directly to God. It's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing. People say, well, do I have to be able to do that? No. You don't have to. You get to, if you want to. It's a powerful thing in our lives. You know, last year at 21 Days of Prayer, I'll probably, get, I'll probably get some reports this year as well. I haven't yet. It was a couple of weeks after 21 Days of Prayer last year. But I had people that, you know, were, were sitting together and praying in the morning. And uh, I think it was Gabe that, that came to me. And she had got some reports that uh, some people had came up to him after. It was like probably about the second week. And they had been sitting in the 21 Days of Prayer service. And there's a portion of the prayer guide that we, that we say... You pray in, in the Spirit. You pray your prayer language. You pray in tongues. And we just do that silently. I don't, I don't do that uh, over, over the mic or I lead in that. It's just something that we take time to do individually but corporately at the same time. And uh, Gabe told me that uh, we had people that had never experienced that before. And while they were just sitting in the room, that they just began to pray in the Spirit for the very first time, you know, to themselves. It wasn't some huge hokey-pokey thing that didn't you know, start barking or spinning around on the ground. I've seen all that too, and sometimes that happens. But in that particular time, it was just a sweet presence of Jesus, just surrendering to Jesus. You know it's in God's heart for you to be able to do that. And if I allow myself to be moved into a place of prayer, what I love about prayer is it moves me into a place to say, God, I want what you want for my life. I don't care what my opinions have been. I don't care what people have taught me. I don't care what people have spoke against me. What I want at the end of the day is what you want. And if you move into a place of surrender in your prayer, man, the power of God just starts oozing out of your life. It's a beautiful thing. 
Prayer is about surrender, church. And you can't tell me that somebody that hasn't allowed themselves to be impacted that way in prayer isn't somebody that now is going to impact the world. They absolutely are. I believe that if we want to reach a city for Jesus, you guys still with me on that? I'm going to have to in a couple months just come and um, I don't know. I don't know how I would do it and, and honor people and do all that. But I would love to be able to just take a few minutes and share with you some of the amazing answers to prayers that have already been happening in the city and the way that we've been able to reach out to different ministries and just all those different things. What I'm telling you is keep praying. It's God's will for Duran, Oklahoma to be saved. It's God's will for the poverty level to be so low in Duran, Oklahoma that they have to send experts in to study it to see how they can do it in other places. It's God's will. It's God's will for Duran, Oklahoma for there to, to, for to be the healthiest city on the planet. It's God's will for Duran, Oklahoma for it to be a place where our, our divorces a year are so low because people's lives are being reconciled back to each other as husband and wife. It's, it's, it's God's will for Durant, Oklahoma to have zero drug issue. Why do I believe that? I can, now I'm going to stand up, which is a dangerous thing because I'm out of time. But why do I believe that? I believe that because I've prayed that. I believe that because I've prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven for so long that I actually believe it's possible. I don't believe that Jesus would teach me to pray something that was just a uh, way to encourage myself. I don't believe that Jesus would teach me that prayer if it's not possible. I don't believe that Jesus would teach me that prayer if it wasn't going to do something to my heart to change the way that I engage with the people in this city. I don't believe that you can pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done for years and not have the Holy Spirit hit you one day that, hey, I can actually use you to do it. What's the point of praying if it doesn't lead to change? If I want just encouragement, I can go to Hallmark and buy myself a card. And I can even mail it to myself. Praise God. What's the point of prayer? The point of prayer is for you to change so that you can now become a vessel of change. Jesus prayed in his most dire hours, sweating blood in the garden. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? To reorient himself to God's will. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will, which has already been decided, already be recorded. Your will is that none should perish, but that all should come to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no saving grace without the cross. What did prayer do for the Lord Jesus in that moment? It reoriented him to the Father's heart and it filled him with boldness that was already on the inside of him by means of the Holy Spirit to rise up and carry out the greatest blessing that humanity could ever receive, which was his death on the cross. I don't know if you know this, but you're called Christians for a reason. You have his name. You're going to have Garden of Gethsemane moments in your life. And you're going to fall. You might as well just hit your knees and start praying. Not God help. God, if it's it's your will. No, no. The will of God's been decided. So pray it forth into the earth. It's been decided. Pray it forth into the earth. 
We don't pray, God, we somewhat believe that this city can be won for you. No, I believe Jesus is coming back. to In Matthew 25, it says he's coming back and he's going to judge nations. It doesn't say individuals. It says nations. The reason why I think that is, because I think that the church is going to wake up and fully realize and get so good at what God has designed us to do that will win nations. But do you know how you win nations? One person at a time. You know how you win cities? One person at a time. And we don't get to do it our way. We get to do it Jesus' way. And if we're going to be a company of people that act as conduits of heaven on the earth, then we better get into alignment with heaven. We better allow the Lord to heal our hearts of all of our prejudices, heal our hearts of all of our biases and all our opinions, and through prayer, get ourselves into alignment with God's heart so that the world can see the beauty of his heartbeat through our lives. That's the purpose of prayer. That's why we pray. So guess what I want to do now? I want to pray. And I'm going to keep talking like this until you stand up and act like you're ready to pray. Praise God. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. You know, I, I, just, I just don't know sometimes what people think in regards to being a Christian. It's like, do, what do you think Jesus died for? Check this out. I'm really going to mess with your mind. Are you ready? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the what? So I would like to propose to you that Jesus didn't just die to forgive you of sins. He died to make you glorious. got a tough enough time just believing that Jesus, for people to believe that Jesus dealt with their sin. Listen, your sin's been dealt with. It's time for the glory. It's time for people that shine with the glory of his presence. It's time for people that live in this prayerful awareness of their union with Christ. That their shadows heal people. Wouldn't that be great? How do you get there? Become aware of who you already are. He lives in you, church. He's right here. If Jesus is right here, then my question is, do you believe that there's something that Jesus just doesn't have power to do? He has all power, right? The only thing that limits God's operation is our cooperation. You got to cooperate with him to get safe. He doesn't manipulate free will. But I'm talking to a room full of people that as I scan the crowd, the majority of you have made a decision to follow Jesus. You're in cooperation with him. Now it's time to allow ourselves to be moved in our prayer to surrender to his will more and more in our life. I believe that God's looking for people that are just laid down in his presence. That that just want to be that just want to be conduits of heaven, yeah. and I, man, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. 
If you're here tonight and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and you want to, man, I want you to be able to experience the things I'm talking about. Would you raise your hand if that's you and let me pray for you? I just want to lead you in a prayer. Raise your hand if that's you. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Hold it up high so I can see it. I need Just hold it up above your head so that I can see it. Wave it at me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is what I'd like to this is what I'd like to be able to do in this moment. I'm gonna believe that people, if you're here tonight and you're not ready to make that decision, it's okay. I believe that the Lord's working in you and in and in your life. And you'll be led to that. But if you are here today and you haven't raised your hand, that tells me that you've already made a decision to follow Jesus. And this is what I'd like us to do, just in closing is just to allow ourselves as a body right now through prayer to become aware of our union with Christ. That's what I desire. Is that we would do away with the mental images of him being super distant or with a frown on his face or with a raised eyebrow because of what you said in the car on the way over here. Listen, he already knew you were going to say it. What you did last night, he already knew you were going to do it. Just repent. Say, God, I don't want to do that anymore. Help me do better. That's it. It's as simple as it is as a Christian. Repentance is that easy. God, I don't want to do that anymore. Help me to do better. I receive your forgiveness. He's not withholding, church. He's not withholding any good thing from you. But there's power, I believe, right now as we just come into a place of allowing ourselves to be aware of our union with Him. That you're one with Him. Let's just do that. Father, in the name of Jesus... We just allow ourselves right now in this moment to recognize your nearness, God. We're a consecrated people, Lord. We're a people that have been set apart for good works. A people that delight in holiness. A people that delight in truth. Father, this time as we stumble, we fail in our weaknesses, Lord, but we want to do right. We want to live right. And I thank you, God, that that power doesn't come from our will, but it comes from the place where our spirit has gotten totally lost in your spirit, God. At salvation, we've been made one spirit with you in our spirit, man. And Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you're the great teacher. Reveal to your people tonight. Not by words of human wisdom or understanding, but by the revelation that only can come from your presence. Reveal to them tonight their oneness with you. Reveal to them tonight, God, their identity in you. That all old things have passed away. It's no longer they that live, but Christ that lives on the inside of them. And Holy Spirit, awaken our ears to be attentive to what the Father's saying. And aware of how he's moving in our hearts and in our lives. Help us to be a people that are given to prayer. Not to earn points with you or to please you, God. But because we love you. Because we long to commune with you. Because we long to see your heaven manifest in our earth. Jesus, I thank you for moving in the room tonight. Praise God. Jesus, I thank you for touching hearts. And opening eyes to the beauty of our completeness in you, God. That in you there is no lack. In you there is no striving. 
We rest in you, God. We rest in you, Lord. We rest in you, God. Thank you, Jesus. May the God of all peace guard your heart and your mind. May He reveal to you that Satan's crushed under your feet. God of peace. Man. Man. All right. If you need to, uh, if you need to go, you can go. But I want to be obedient to what he's telling me. If you're here today, and that's really just resonated in your heart about peace and receiving peace, I feel that the Lord wants to impart something to you tonight. I don't necessarily care how long it takes, and if I need to, I'll be the one that stays and turn off the light and lock the door. But this is what I want you to do. If you're here tonight and you know that that, that, that peace is something that just, I mean, it, it burned on the inside of you. You need a touch from the Lord tonight in that area. I don't care what it is. There was just a burning in your heart when I started praying about peace. When I started praying about peace. This is what I want you to do. All I want you to do is I want, we're going to dismiss. I'm going to pray and I'm going to tell you what to do. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for these amazing people here tonight. I thank you, Lord, that we go into Jubilee and our hearts filled with love and filled with the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And thank you, Father, for just growing us in that unity and in the power of your love. And the people of God said, Amen. Now here's, now here's the thing. I want you to keep